Hello, and welcome to the Master Key Podcast, where we help you unlock your original design so that you can live in the fullness of your destiny. How important is our conscience? And what happens when we have a pure conscience? Join us today to find out. For more information and other resources, please visit us at masterkey.guide. Well, we'd like to welcome everyone today to this podcast. I'm really excited about our topic. I'm talking today about cultivating a clear conscience. And this is a, a topic that not many Christians fully understand, but in the plan and operation of the spirit, it is really important. So I'm glad you tuned in. I, I trust it will be a blessing to you. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that every person would have ears to hear, that they would have eyes to see, and that they would understand what the Spirit is saying to the church about having a clear conscience. Lord, continue with us now, and we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in this session. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've been around me very often, you've heard me refer to the three parts of man, spirit, soul, and body. These three parts are so important to understand how God created us and how we are designed to actually function. So, of course, with the spirit of man, we relate to God, who is a spirit, in our soul, which is made of our mind, our will, and our emotions, we relate to other people in their mind, with their wills, and with their emotions. And then finally, the body, which is the physical part of us, we relate to this natural physical world. If you didn't have a physical body, your spirit would not have a house to live in here on this planet, and you wouldn't be around for long. To be absent from the body, the word says, is to be present with the Lord. So God has created all three parts of us. And interesting, God is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. God the Father has a body, the Bible talks about it. Many places, you know, the hand of the Lord, his arm is not shortened. You know, it talks about the eyes of the Lord search to and fro. And, you know, he has a body. All three persons of the Trinity have a spirit, a soul, and a body. And you were created in their image. And that's why you also have these three parts. One part of our spirit, man, is our conscience. And it's with our conscience that we know right and wrong, good and evil. Now, some things we learn through our five natural senses. And when we're young as children, our parents are uh, meant to teach us, you know, right and wrong. This is good. This is bad. And we can learn that way. But more than that, in our spirit, man, we have this invisible voice called conscience. And even if we haven't learned something in the natural realm, maybe no one has ever instructed us about something, our conscience can still raise its voice and tell us whether something is right and we can go ahead and do it or whether something is wrong and we should stay away from it. Now, Paul says something really important. He says, my conscience bearing witness with the Holy Spirit. 
your conscience is the part of your spirit man that Holy Spirit works with to communicate right and wrong. Holy Spirit convicts us, and the part of our spirit he does that through is our conscience. And it's really important that we cultivate a sensitivity in our conscience, because if you say no and you resist Holy Spirit when he speaks to you about things, you will harden your heart and your conscience can become seared and actually not work the way it is supposed to. We talk about people with a seared conscience, and they have, through maybe many years, hardened their heart towards God, hardened their heart towards conviction from the Holy Spirit, and that's very dangerous, because if we keep doing that, it will be harder and harder for us to hear from God about right and wrong, and it will also cause our conscience to be seared and Holy Spirit might not speak to us as much as he did before. This is really important. What condition is your conscience in right now? If you consider doing something wrong, does your conscience immediately speak up and say, no, don't do that. That will not bring forth good results. Or does your conscience just kind of uh, remain passive and allow you to go ahead and do something wrong that will not benefit you or anyone else. We really need to bring our conscience back into alignment with God. So here's a very important um, principle that we need to understand with how God created us. Our conscience is linked to our faith. Four times in the New Testament, and I'm going to give you the scriptures in a minute, four times Paul links having a pure conscience with faith. In other words, if your conscience is violated, your faith can't work. Now, one place, not Paul, it's First John, he says, if our hearts condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God that whatever we ask of him, we will receive. That's found in 1 John chapter 3, verses 21 through 23. When you go to ask God for something and your heart condemns you and you know in your spirit or in your conscience, you've got issues there that are blocking your communication with God, you have to get those conscience things sorted out and cleaned up so that your faith can work. This is really important. Paul talks to Timothy about this in 1 Timothy 1 verse 5. He links a good conscience with sincere faith. If you want your faith to work towards God, your conscience has to be in a good place. In 1 Timothy 1 verses 18 and 19, the same thing. Paul links faith and a good conscience. When my conscience is clean and pure before God, my faith can work no problem. But if my conscience is violated about something, and this happens, you know, semi-regularly with all of us, uh, often Katie and I would be driving to church, 
I'm supposed to deliver the message on a Sunday morning. And Katie and I would have some kind of disagreement in the car. You know, I would be right and she would be wrong, but we'd have this disagreement. <laughs> well, immediately my conscience would be offended. And I know in my spirit that I'm not going to have full liberty delivering that word. So I need to get my conscience right with God and with Katie before I try to deliver that message. This is true for anything. If you are going to pray and your conscience is offended, you have to get that cleared up if you want your faith to really connect with God. And if you want uh, you know, to see God's power work on your behalf, you need to have a pure conscience. The next one is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 9, and it links the truth of the faith with a pure conscience. We can't even really discern what is true if our conscience is violated. Uh, if we have guilt, if we have shame, if we have condemnation because our conscience is violated, and those things don't necessarily come from God, they may come from the enemy, and he's heaping this condemnation on us. It's very hard to discern God's voice when you have the enemy accusing you and, and yelling over top of God's voice. So you have to come back to the place where you have a pure conscience. And then finally, Hebrews 10, verse 22, talks about the assurance of faith cleansed from a guilty conscience. Now, there's five different scriptures I've given that link your faith to a pure conscience. Hebrews talks about our consciences being washed by the blood of Christ, and when the blood of Christ purges or cleanses our consciences, then they can work towards God and our childlike faith comes back. If our conscience is condemning us, our faith cannot work. And priority number one is to get our conscience back in right standing with God. For that to happen, we need the blood of Jesus to cleanse us. Well, how do we get the blood of Jesus to cleanse us? If, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the minute I confess my sin and repent, the blood of Jesus purges my conscience. And now my conscience is free and um, open again to exercising faith and hearing from God. And I'd like to tell you an experience I had many years ago, and this has really sealed this in my own heart, and I've used this um, experience as a teaching tool all around the world. One day I was sitting in my living room in our home in Hamilton, and uh, as I tell this story, you're going to need to understand that all of the electricity in southern Ontario is really generated from Niagara Falls. So there are these massive turbines there, and the Niagara River flows through those turbines, and they turn and generate huge amounts of electricity, which then are carried through very high wattage 
wires and, and power lines throughout Southern Ontario, and they power our homes and our factories and so on. So uh, Niagara Falls is the source of the power in Southern Ontario. So I was sitting in my living room and suddenly I started to have this spiritual experience. It wasn't a dream, I wasn't asleep, I was wide awake, but something started to happen. I was looking at a lamp on a table across the room, just a regular table lamp. And I could suddenly see with X-ray vision, I could see the wiring inside the lamp. I could see the switch mechanism and everything that wasn't visible normally, but because of this X-ray vision, God was allowing me to see the internal works of the lamp. And then I saw the cord going down behind the table, running across the floor, plugging into the outlet. And with my x-ray vision, I could see the wiring behind the walls that went down into the basement where our fuse panel was. And I could see the fuse panel and all of the breaker switches and you know the heavier wiring that comes in from outside. I could see all of that through the walls down into our basement. And then I could see the power line coming from the telephone pole on the street coming into our house. And then I could see the telephone poles down our block and actually to the edge of Hamilton where there was a step, step down power station. You know, on the edge of cities, there are these power stations with these scary looking electrical, you know, um, uh, boxes and wires, and they're all, you know, fenced in with warning signs, you know, high voltage electricity, all of that. I could see all of that. And then I saw the massive power lines going on those huge towers all the way to Niagara Falls. The x-ray vision continued. I could see the generators underground linked to the turbines where the water was rushing through and creating all of this power. And finally, I could see Niagara Falls. I didn't know what God was doing. I didn't know why I was seeing all of this. You know, I'm just sitting there minding my own business. I wasn't praying. I wasn't asking God about anything. You know, he just started to show me this infrastructure that gets the electricity all the way from Niagara Falls to my living room and that little lamp on the table. Suddenly then, the lamp went out. The light went off. And God started asking me questions as I'm sitting in my chair. He said, Dennis, did Niagara Falls stop flowing? And that's why the light went out. I said, no, Lord, that's not why the light went out. And then he said, did the turbines under the ground in Niagara Falls seize up and stop turning and generating electricity. I said, no, Lord, I don't believe that's what happened. And then he said, well, those massive power lines that you saw with the hundreds of thousands of volts, you know, traveling across 
the Niagara Peninsula to Hamilton? Did they um, break down in a storm and, and the wires are no longer connected? Is that why your light went out? Well, I looked out the window. It was a beautiful day. There was no storm. I said, no, Lord, I don't believe that's what happened. Then he asked me, what about that step-down transformer station at the edge of Hamilton where all those big gray boxes are humming? Did they blow up and somehow, you know, stop working? No, Lord, I don't believe that happened. Well, what about that transformer that's up on the telephone pole at the end of your street? Did that get hit by lightning and that's why it's not working? No, Lord, I don't believe that either. And then he said, well, what about the wire coming into your house from the telephone pole? Do you think that got severed? And that's why the light went out. No, Lord, I don't really believe that. And then I could see again the fuse panel in my basement. And he said, Dennis, do you believe that you've blown a fuse? And that's why the light went out. Well, maybe. I'd be surprised because it's just a lamp. It's not some heavy duty, high, you know, voltage thing. It could be that, but I don't think it's that. And then he showed me the inside of the lamp where the light bulb was and this tiny filament. And he said, Dennis, do you think maybe that filament got separated and that's why the light went out? I said, Lord, that's exactly what I believe. And then he gave me the whole reason he told me this story. He said, Dennis, that filament, that delicate filament in that light bulb is your conscience. And if that conscience is violated, the electricity stops flowing and your faith can't work. And it doesn't matter that Niagara Falls is flowing and all the turbines are running and all the step-down transformers are working. If your conscience is violated, all of that becomes redundant because the electricity can't flow because your conscience is violated. Wow. You know, if your conscience is uh, not clear, not clean, when you pray, your faith can't work. It's like if you uh, come into a room and it's dark and you want to, you know, turn the lights on. If the fuse downstairs is blown and there's no connection, you can hit, hit the flick, uh, flick the switch, sorry, and the lights are not going to come on. Why? Because you're violating the laws of electricity. If the connection is not fully uh, operational, the electricity cannot flow. And that's like faith. The Bible talks about the law of faith. And when we violate the law of faith, for instance, when you stand praying, if you have ought against anyone, you must forgive them or your heavenly father will not forgive you. So if you're holding unforgiveness towards your spouse or some person at work or somebody at church, and you go to pray, 
you're violating the law of faith and your prayer will not be answered. The light bulb will not come on because there's a disconnect there. This is how important having a pure conscience is if you want your faith to work. So many Christians pray and they pray and ask for things that God would really want them to have. God wants the light to come on, but if your conscience is violated, it will not work. It's not because it's not God's will. And it might not even be the enemy robbing you. It might be your conscience is violated and your faith can't work because you're violating the law of faith, which like the law of electricity will plunge you into darkness if the switch is turned off and that connection is broken. I think most of you can understand this. I'm going to use a personal experience now in my own life about my own conscience. As many of you know, uh, for many years, I've traveled around the world doing mission trips. And we go off into third world countries who can't really raise any money and you know, pay our way to come over, whether in Africa or Central America or wherever it would be. We have to raise our own funds from North America to cover the expenses of getting myself and our team. Sometimes we might have three people. Sometimes we might have 15 people. And it takes a lot of money to get uh, a team overseas covering all the airfare, hotel expenses, travel, renting meeting halls, you know, all of that stuff. It takes tens of thousands of dollars for any given trip. And we have to raise that money. And, uh, you know, in the book of Acts, it talks about how the money's laid at the apostles' feet, and then distribution is made according to the need. So I've had hundreds of thousands of dollars given to me in the ministry to finance our mission trips. Any mission trip might cost anywhere from uh, 10 to 25,000 US dollars. Now, the problem with third world nations is the banking systems are corrupt. So we can't do banking like we do here in North America. For instance, I can't wire the money over to Ethiopia and have it waiting for me when I get there. If I did that, I could get there and the money could be gone because the banking systems are not dependable. For that reason, I have to carry sometimes like 25,000 US dollars on my physical person while I'm traveling because there's no electronic way or technical way of getting that money there. And when we get there, everybody wants US cash. So that's what we usually have to carry. So the point I'm trying to make is hundreds of thousands of dollars per year are given to our ministry by churches in North America who take up offerings for our mission outreaches. Well, I have to go to the bank before we fly overseas, take all that money out in cash and hide it on my physical body. 
over and over many, many times. God has to trust me with finances because this isn't my money. This is money that loving Christians have sacrificially donated to finance our mission outreaches. Well, obviously, there is a trust issue there. Can I be trusted to deliver those funds and not be skimming some off the top for myself? Well, for many, many years, God has tested my conscience in this area. And let me explain how. Uh, I can't tell you, it's almost laughable how many times I'm checking out at Walmart or I'm at the grocery store or I go in to pay for my gas, you know, and invariably they will give me too much change. If I give them a 20 and, you know, the bill was $10, you know, they will give me maybe $15 back instead of 10. And I will count my change. And every time, it doesn't happen every time, but whenever it does happen, I will notice that they've given me too much change. And I'll say, excuse me, you were supposed to give me $10 back. You gave me $15 back. Here's your $5 back. This happens over and over and over and over. And God is watching. And the devil is watching. And my conscience is watching. If it's just, you know, 75 cents that they didn't give me, am I just going to let that squeak by and, and not make it right? Am I willing to compromise my pure conscience for 75 cents or $5 or $15? No, of course not. If I want my faith to work, I have to have a pure conscience. So that means whether it's 75 cents or $5, whatever it is, I need to give that back because I need to leave that Walmart with a pure conscience because maybe in 10 days I'm getting on another plane to fly to another nation with you know many, many thousands of dollars that I have to be trusted with. And I can't do that if my conscience is violated. Now, one day we were scheduled to leave for, it might've been Kenya or some third world country in Africa. And I had to go to our bank to get the, you know, whatever it was, let's say it's 20,000 US cash to go with me to the airport and, and do the trip. It happened to be a blizzard that day. It was a very bad snow day. Schools were closed. The roads were almost impassable, but the bank was still open for some reason. And I had to go that day because we were flying out early the next morning and I wouldn't have time to go to the bank before they opened. So I braved the storm. I got over to the bank and there's, no cars in the parking lot, no one is around. It's a very bad snow day. So I walk into the outside door of the bank between the two doors. You know, normally there's two doors. You walk in the first one, and then there's a second one to keep the wind from, you know, blowing into the bank. I walked into the first door and everything's glass. And there on the, the floor between the two doors, no one was around 
was a wad of bills about this big around. It must have been thousands of dollars all in a roll with a big elastic holding it. I don't know if it was someone's cash register money for their stores or um, I don't know if it was payroll. I don't know what it was for. All I know it was a very large amount of money. Well, I looked around. No one is watching. I looked in the bank and this was an L-shaped bank with, you know, this side and then it turned the corner and went down the other way. No tellers were at their stations. No customers were in the bank. No one was looking. Or were they? Was God looking? Of course he was. Was the devil looking? Of course he was. And from my own conscience, I am looking. Well, I chuckled out loud because once again, I'm being tested. I bent over and I picked up this wad of money and I went straight into the bank and there were no tellers in the public part of the bank. They were all in the back room having coffee and laughing and talking because they didn't expect anyone to come in the bank because of the bad weather. I had to go all the way around to the far corner and yell through the hallway, is anybody here to get them to come out and take this wad of money from me? I was laughing the whole time because I thought, Satan, you just don't give up. But you know what? You're never going to win this one because I'm never going to take money that doesn't belong to me. Because if I did, first of all, I'd be the most miserable person on earth. Secondly, I wouldn't be able to enjoy one thing that I bought with that money. I would hate it. It would bother me so much. And thirdly, I would throw a monkey wrench into God supplying the money that we need for our mission trips because my conscience would be violated. Finally, I got a teller to come out. I explained that I found this money and gave it to her so that she could see that it got returned to the rightful owner. And then finally, I did my banking. That's a little testimony of cultivating a pure conscience. And to me, it doesn't matter whether it's a few coins or whether it's thousands of dollars. The principle is the same. Your conscience can be violated not just because you rob a bank, but it can be violated because you answered your wife with a harsh tone in your voice. And maybe what you said wasn't wrong, but maybe the tone was wrong. If you violated your conscience, you need to make that right. You need to say, sweetheart, please forgive me when I answered you five minutes ago. There was a tone in my voice that was dishonoring to you. And I ask you to forgive me for that. Once again, my conscience is restored. When I flick on the light switch, the light comes on. Here's the bottom line. I want your faith to work. I want you to have an amazing prayer life. I want you to have a conscience that's so pure and so without offense that you can ask God for anything 
And when he hears you, that you know that you have the confidence that you receive what you're asking for. It does require one thing, a pure conscience. And I'm challenging every one of you, before the day is over, get your conscience clear before God. There's nothing standing between you and him. So your faith can work and we can get the great commission fulfilled and we can do the same works that Jesus did. I promise you, everywhere Jesus went and all that he did, he did with a pure conscience. And if you're going to work the same works that he worked, you're going to have to do it the same way he did with your conscience being completely connected and the power of God flowing without restriction. Have fun with that. See you next time. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. If you'd like to connect or find other resources, please visit us at masterkey.guide.